another episode of the hbcu hour it's your boy pool bear i got my man aunt petty murphy we have a special guest mr mo carter from fox 54 in huntsville alabama and daniel d williams will be with us shortly first off uh aunt welcome back how you doing this evening i'm good bro how you doing i'm good i'm good mr carter thank you for coming on with us Glad to have you. It's an honor. How are you? Uber, I'm doing well, man. Um, got a little break in between uh, my coverage times in the late portions of the spring, but I'll be revving it up later in the week with some state championships for baseball and softball. But appreciate you guys uh, inviting me on to kind of chat and talk about some great sports, including HBCU things. All right. All right. Oh, I got a son in Athens. Look out for him. He coming. He, he, he doing things in track and football. So I think – I, I seen some some exclusive stuff, so you can uh, <laughs> jump on okay. that. But first off, uh, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, you have a unique perspective that we we agree. I mean, that we appreciate here uh, the HBCU Hour. Uh, if you would tell us a little bit about yourself, though. All right, um, I'm gonna give you the short version because I guarantee you. My story will go on and on and on and on all day long. Um, but to just let everybody know, my name is Mo Carter. I'm the sports director, lead sports anchor at Fox 54 here in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm a 13-year um, veteran within the television and broadcast industries. Throughout my career, I worked in Baton Rouge at WAFB Channel 9, then went to Alexandria, Louisiana for three years at KALB, spent three years in Montgomery at um, Alabama News Network and WAKA. Also during that time, I was the play-by-play person for Alabama State um, men's basketball and also for uh, football for two years as well. So I got um, Coach Brian Jenkins' first year and I got Reggie Barlow's last year while I was up doing that. Like I said, currently I'm here in Huntsville. I'm an HBCU graduate. As a matter of fact, um, I'm actually a fourth generation college graduate. Three of those generations are HBCU graduates. I graduated from Southern University in the spring of 2009 and um, broadcast journalism degree, played football for Coach Pete Richardson from 2006 uh, to 2008. Enjoyed that time. It was definitely some of the best of times just in general. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a fourth generation college graduate, and three of those generations are um, HBCU grads. So like my great grandparents, Reverend John C. Wickham Sr. and Minerva Pleasant Wickham, they obtained education and minister degrees from straight university. Then my grandfather, Reverend John C. Wickham Jr., he started studying at um, at straight and then finished up at Leland College, which is right outside of Baton Rouge in Baker. Now, for people wondering and tuning in, where the heck is straight at? Well, what happened was straight was a university that was at HBCU in New Orleans. And then in the early 1930s, they merged with another HBCU called New Orleans University. And now you have Dillard University. Mm. Those two schools were the predecessors uh, to Dillard. So, yeah, okay. so Mark. 
So my early ancestors had that. My parents had an opportunity to go to HBCUs, but there's kind of a good reason why around the time we were coming out of high school, they, um, the state of Louisiana, of course, was going through desegregation things. So a lot of PWIs were trying to up their, um, you know, their minority numbers. So basically my parents basically went to a PWI for free in the late seventies, mm-hmm. you know? So, but then again, like I said, I was always been entrenched around with HBCU stuff besides all my ancestors and aunts and uncles and all that. So, you know, definitely be entrenched. Majority of them going to Southern. Got a few people that went to Grambling. I'm going to let them have that one or whatever. <laughs> just, you know. Actually, I'm not one of those people that hates Grambling 365 year, I mean, days a year. But yeah, that Thanksgiving week. Yeah, just 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 don't mess with me. It, it, it. <laughs> let me let me let me let me ask you about that Thanksgiving week then, Mr. Mo. What's up, man? Uh, Last episode we had, we talked about which classic is better. And, <laughs> and since you're a Louisiana guy, but you covered the other classic that in, in Alabama, which one is bigger, the Bayou Classic or the uh, Magic City Classic? Man, you know, I get that question a lot. And it, it's it's always interesting to really answer it because, you know, do I answer it from a professional standpoint or do I answer it from a uh, a personal standpoint? Hey, so, drop all the professionalism yeah, right now. Yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, get, yeah. You can drop it right now. Just get down, just get down to the real of it. <laughs> all right. Here, all right. Here, here, here's the real of it. Okay. Obviously, you know, I'm probably 99 out of 100 times. I'm going to tell you the Bayou Classic just primarily because of what's always been at stake honestly you know you especially if you look at the bayou class the last you know 25 30 years or whatever especially the nbc years or whatever most multiple time multiple times that southern grambling game has literally decided either the swag champion or the division champion in most cases i mean even when i was in high school i remember that 2003 game where you know it was 44 to 41 quincy reshaw threw for like 480 Bruce Eugene threw for like 505 or something. And it was a defensive interception that came up to, you know, solidify what happened. And Southern went on, won the swag championship, won the HBCU national title, whatever that year, you know, and that's just one of the few times. Now I will say this one thing though, or whatever about the magic city classic is that it's one of those true rivalries where if Alabama A&M and Alabama state are going into that game, Oh, and eight or Oh, and nine or whatever and stuff, you're still going to get 60,000 plus inside of Legion field and like another 30 to 40,000 just outside tailgating, man, which is like unbelievable. Um, Especially like the first time I got a chance to check that out in 2013. So definitely the loyalty is, is there year in and year out. I mean, I still remember in what was it? 20 in 2019, the game where like you had a torrential rainstorm, you know, and you barely had anybody in the stadium, but once that rain stopped by halftime, man, you had 50,000 people definitely inside there that got a chance to check out a what a three overtime game. So that's how I always look at it as kind of like, you know, the hits and misses and highs and lows with it. But I'll tell you this, if you have never been to either one, try to put it on your calendar. One is at the end of October and the other one is Thanksgiving week. So you got some time if you want to go to both in between or whatever, just get your money right either to get to Birmingham or to get to New Orleans. Yeah. So I, I'll say that when I came on, I introduced and said you had a unique perspective. You're a Southern man. Yes, sir. Where I met you uh, or, or became acquainted with you was when I was living in Montgomery and you were covering high school sport or well, sports period. Um, and I had a little cousin that played high school sports. So I, you know, get home after when we see you doing the, 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 the highlights and stuff, 
uh, but you also cover Alabama State being in Montgomery. Now you're in Huntsville because, as, as a matter of fact, and I, and I mentioned to you, when I moved to Huntsville and the first time I watched the news, I was like, I know that guy. I, I know that guy. And that, and you're covering Alabama A&M. So you've seen, you know, Southern, Alabama State, Alabama A&M. Um, and you've, some, there's been drama, you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, the schools and stuff. There's also been, I mean, just great sports moments and stuff. Um, how is it, um, because it, it, everywhere you've been, you've been able to cover HBCUs. How is it, um, and I guess this will lead to our next question. Mm-hmm. What is the difference in, in being able to cover uh, PWIs? Because you do cover Alabama and Auburn as well. Um, but then you also cover Alabama State, as we mentioned, and now Alabama A&M. Um, what, what is it like covering the, the differences between uh, a PWI and an HBCU? Uh, well, first thing, I'll just go ahead and just put it out there. When I'm covering a PWI, there are a lot of times where I will show up to that game, whether I'm going into the press box or I'm going into the photog lounge if I'm like, you know, shooting that game. And I'm one of the few people that literally looks like me, mm. you know, and uh, many people will, t- you know, will tell you that who are in this industry uh, just in general. Um, but all in all, here's the thing. At the end of the day, I've always felt like I've had a job to do, man. Now, mm-hmm. granted, I enjoy covering, you know, I enjoy covering PDLVI stuff or whatever. But because I'm an HBCU grad, I, I'll admit I, I enjoy covering it just a little bit more, you know. But granted, mm-hmm. there's some perks when the PWI stuff or whatever. For example, I was in Indianapolis this past January mm-hmm. to see Alabama take on Georgia inside Lucas Oil Stadium for the um, CFP National Championship. You know, I've been to other bowl games and whatnot. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like covering an HBCU. But it all goes back down to this, man. I'm a sports anchor. I am a local sports first guy. That's a kind of a reason why you've always seen me put a lot of effort into covering, you know, my local slash close-range HBCUs. Obviously, I'm here in Huntsville. Alabama A&M literally is less than two miles away from our station. There's no way in the world we should not be at just about every event that that we can be at. Same thing when I was in Montgomery. Alabama State literally was the next exit away from us. Yeah, I want to say we were off of exit three. They were off of exit two. So, and, you know, Tuskegee was, you know, 40 minutes down the road and stuff. Mm-hmm. And now on top of that, as I mentioned, local sports first, we go back to Montgomery Rod. On top of those things, I also had Troy. I also had Faulkner, you know. Right. So I made sure that those local elements are always taken care of, primarily because of this. A uh, mentor of mine told me a long, long time, because of the big schools or big programs, and he, we were in Baton Rouge at the time, so he used the example of, hey, LSU and the Saints, Anything happens with that or whatever and stuff, you're either going to see that on NFL Network, SEC Network, or even ESPN. It's up to us as journalists to tell the other stories that may not be heard like talking about. Because, Hubert, you can go ahead and say, you know, just as much as you see me with HBCU things, mm-hmm. you still see the Alabama and Auburn stuff or whatever. Right. You know, in my broadcast, I just find a way to make sure that you know we're all equally yoked in this situation just in general now one good thing i do have though is that you know the sec and from pro sports they've got restrictions on what we can put on the websites so because of that hbcu swag we don't have those restrictions so i can put all everything i want to put on the website or whatever but i'm limited on certain sec and pro things so those boost those um 
those online and digital numbers. And it always kind of makes me look good in that right. sense of fashion. But man, you know, at the end of the day, man, I'm a typical sports guy. I love covering stories. I love yeah. telling stories, no matter what it is, whether it's a, just a local person in general or, or an HBCU, you know, whatever it is, I always try to make sure, you know, we get it in. Plus I try to localize things too, man. Like whatever, whatever we can do, you know, we definitely make it happen just in general. Perfect example recently, um, Perfect example. Recently, I'll go ahead and just tell you this. So here in Huntsville, of course, we got all these different schools or whatever. Well, um, there's a, an, a young lady named Candace Story Lee. She played basketball at Bob Jones, All-State standout, went to Vanderbilt. Well, now she is the athletic director of Vanderbilt, first African-American oh, wow. female wow. athletic director in SEC. Well, guess what? Whenever they talk about that, man, I emailed the AD real, real quick. I'm like, hey. I need to talk to this lady like real, real quick, whatever. You know, she actually responded. Well, they sent it to her. She responded. She was like, hey, no problem. Anything for my hometown, local news stations or whatever. So all of a sudden I'm interviewing somebody. And guess what? It's localized in that situation. Yeah. So, I always, you know, so I always try to do my best, you know, to localize some things and make some things happen just in general. And that's how you continue to expand your audience. All right. So we, we have two questions. Uh, and, and I know you got a good one, a good question yeah. yourself. Go ahead. Go ahead and do the comments first. Oh, so we have two questions. The first con uh, was, uh, who is the best man in the swag and why is Southern? Why is it Southern and not Grambling? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, why is it Southern and not Grambling? I mean, I guess if Grambling doesn't have an S on their chest, I'll be, I guess oh. we'll go ahead and just, just say that. Uh, I'll tell you what other people have said, just in general, of course, uh, you know, you think about the human jukebox, you think about mm -hmm. people like Dr. Isaac Briggs and, you know, so many other people that have come out of the Southern University music department with the bands. I mean, I've always just enjoyed, you know, just enjoyed it just because at the end of the day, they literally can play anything and it sounds, you know, perfect just in general. As a matter of fact, the guy that's the current band director now, he was the band director um at a high school that my sister-in-law was at, uh, you know, only what seven, eight years ago, just in general. And he's a Southern man, just, and all that. Now, my wife will tell you this: my wife will tell you Southern's better than Grandma because Southern only needs one drum major to to, to, to roll with a band. I, I thought you was gonna say because they they drums don't have wheels. I thought that's what you were <laughs> look. I, I think I've worn out that joke so many times, I just can't even do it anymore, just in general. So I'm just gonna leave that one alone, yeah. in, in, in a sense, man. You know, now don't get me wrong, I know some good people who have actually right. went to Grambling and played in the band and whatnot, but you know, just at the end of the day, I just always felt that you know, the music ship is just a little bit better down in Baton Rouge compared to um. Up in North Louisiana and Lincoln Parish. What about the uh the Sonic Boom over there in Mississippi? Man, look, I'll say this: Sonic Boom is they boom. I, I I'll give them their props or whatever. Just in general, they 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 are definitely you know doing. And they have been doing their thing for a long, long time. Now you know when you get down to that Southern Jackson State stuff, man, that's a whole another conversation. You have to like go into. Once again, I don't think we got enough time to even nah. talk about that. Just yeah. in general, but I'll say this: I've seen videos of Jackson State people being like, "Man, our band is good, but man, check out Southern across the way." Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, just so. in general. But at the end of the day, man, I think every HBCU has like their unique style, and you know, their the way they um, blend and comprehend to what the people definitely uh, want to hear. Just you know, just and all of that. But like I say, you know, the connections. You're like, ah, you got to go. You know, got to go with it. 
So it's funny. It I'm telling you how small the world is. Uh, you mentioned the the band director, uh, Kadeldrick, uh, not Kadeldrick, uh, Keldrick uh, Taylor. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. From Mobile, he was in the band with my cousin. Uh, really? So, so yeah, at, at Blunt High School. So that is small world, man. It is small world. Um, I, I, I'm gonna end up reaching out to see if I can get him on because I, I I do want to talk about HBC bands because that's. That's a game in itself. So well, well, absolutely. Well, that that leads me to my question, Mr. What's Mo. up, man? Uh, covering covering both PWI and HBCU, at, at, when you walking up to the you know to the stadium or the uh, to you know cover the game, who has the better atmosphere? Is it the HBCU games or the PWI games? Uh, I mean, atmosphere wise, if you just throw the bands, just in general, obviously it is going to be an HBCU because I mean. You know, zero quarters could start literally like an hour before a whole kickoff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of PWI games I go to. I mean, their bands aren't really playing until like the national anthem, Star Spangled yeah. Banner, Banner, and stuff. And like they're, you know, they finally make their way into the stadium. Most of the times, you got the um, the like a I want to say a DJ, but an, it's probably just a regular playlist yeah. going on uh, just in general. So you know, atmosphere wise, from a band perspective. Now I will say this. I mean. You know, you go to a Bama game, you go to an LSU game or whatever, mm-hmm. 100,000 people. I mean, you, 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 there's nothing like that. I will I will admit that. Even when you go to Auburn, Auburn only holds like 80,000. But that 80,000 sounds like 100,000 yeah. easily just in general. So, but the other thing I will say this, and it goes back to the uniqueness of that. I've been to many HBCU games, and granted, they probably got – a third of that, maybe half of that in, in, in a good situation. And sometimes it will sound, you know, pretty solid. Especially when you add that band music to it. Correct, mm-hmm. man. Correct. The last time I went to buy your classic was in 2019, um, you know, when Southern um, came back and won. And, you know, one of the things I'll never forget, other than being on defense, trying to get the stops or whatever, and you hear half the Superdome going, defense, Jags, defense. And, like, it is, like, because it's in a dome, it's all staying right there. And I'm on the other side, so you're just hearing it all out just in general. So you kind of make make the most out of it, you know, just in general to it. But it's a very, very unique perspective. Like I said, me personally – Obviously, I'm going to pick the HBCU things, but I'm not knocking what the experience at the PWI stuff is. Now, granted, too, there are some things you're going to hear at the PWIs that necessarily you're not going to hear at the HBCUs. And if you Google, you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about from there. And you kind of have to just, I'm not going to say have a blind eye to it, but you have to like just be knowledgeable of of those situations. Like, let's just say somebody put me on game when I first, first came here. And you know, it's a way of life to, to certain extents. Now, you've also had some of those same coaches return around and be like, hey, stop that stuff. You know, most mm-hmm. of I don't even say stuff. It's something else. I'm just being mm-hmm. nice because I know this is a family show. <laughs> I, I, right. I'll say this, though. I think I, my bad, poop, but uh, really, no, no, I think I think um, the difference of those atmospheres, you know, of those game days, I mm-hmm. think whenever whenever LSU plays Southern this year, I think for for the first time, some of those. PWI uh, fans will get to kind of see a taste of what HBCU atmosphere looks like with the band and the tailgating experience and all that. And I think they're going to really see what HBCU football really is like from, you know, from the fan perspective. Oh, no, I totally agree, man. As a matter of fact, I worked with somebody who was a student at Georgia when Southern played Georgia. Um, I worked with them here a few years ago in Huntsville. 
And she told me that one of the liveest atmospheres they ever had was when Southern came play there, you know, and she's from Atlanta. She was like, hey, you know, I kind of know about Clark Atlanta Morehouse. It was like, man, when y'all band came out and played this and then played that and then like they played like a ludicrous song. It's like we was going nuts. Like we didn't even want to see the Georgia band perform <laughs> after that. And I think she even said like I think they gave Southern more time to perform than what yeah. Georgia's band did, which usually doesn't happen. And she was like, hey, from that day forward uh you know um she was like i had way way more respect for you know for the hbcu culture and this uh you know it's a white girl you know talking about yeah. that just in general she was like, i had to go google things and yeah. then all of a sudden she was like oh my god this person went here this person went there so yeah man uh and i think you're totally right i think um there's going to be some lsu folks that whose eyes will open like they know about southern but they won't know no till they actually it's see it's, it. it's, it's it's a difference hearing about it and than actually experiencing it. You know Agreed. What I mean? mm -hmm. So we do have another question in the chat. Um, uh, Mr. Chance Babin, um, as a Southern alum, was it hard covering another SWAT school at first, hiding your fandom for your school? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, you got to think about this. When I went, so I worked in, I worked in Baton Rouge my first mm -hmm. two years. So I was straight out of Southern and I'm covering Southern and, um, you know, and Southeastern and stuff. Then I went to Alexandria, Louisiana, which basically put me in central slash north Louisiana, and I had to cover oh, Grambling. That was, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was interesting, you know, to say the least. But once again, I got guidance from somebody, and they were like, hey, you know, here's at the end of the day. We know where your heart lies, but I understand where your paycheck is at as well. So, you know, with stuff like that, it, it got a little bit easier. When I moved to Montgomery to cover Alabama State, it wasn't as bad since, you know, sure, they played Southern and Alabama State played a, a decent amount of times. But at the end of the day, you know, it wasn't as you know much of a rivalry just in general. Now, one of my first play-by-play -play things was Alabama State versus Southern, and I had to say a few prayers before that one <laughs> because I was like, ooh, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing here or say the wrong thing there and show an allegiance just in general. But then on another note, I mean, my wife, you know, she's got two degrees from Southern. She, she quickly will tell you that just in general, uh, you know, she has enough fandom uh, for the both of us to be like, hey, don't worry about, you know, you know, showing showing this or showing that. It's like, you know, bae, I got you in, in, in this situation. So, nah, man, it, it really hasn't been hard. What was more of a challenge was probably going from Montgomery covering Alabama State and being a part of all that to mm. coming here and covering the mm. arch rival Alabama A&M. So, like, Magic City Clash, for example, like, I'm used to going to this part of the tailgate or going to this part of the press box. Now we flip it, and now I'm trying to find some new people and trying to yeah, do this yeah. and try to trying to do that though, just in general because i mean hey that man that, those people you know embrace the, even the local media for that as well yeah well i just want to say you always welcome to come back to north louisiana and cover grambling whenever you want to. <laughs> i got you man look if there's ever an opportunity if there's ever an opportunity that guy can provide along with some good financial situations you know uh, I'll, I'll definitely uh, make sure my let my agent know for sure. <laughs> so I, I want to ask this: um, the last five to ten years, HBCU sports. Um, so we know there's a tradition of uh, of, of excellence in HBCU. Uh, if you look at just Hall of Fame numbers alone um, for NFL, uh, but there was a time period, especially after uh, uh, segregation, um, that the numbers changed, the quality of football kind of changed, um, and those star, 
you know, black players that would normally go to HBCU ended up going to PWIs. But in the last five to 10 years, that's kind of changed. Uh, you've seen players going, transferring back to, to HBCUs or going there initially. Um, in the last five to 10 years, what are some things that you've seen that have changed that of um, the landscape of HBCU sports? So with the landscape of HBCU sports, I mean, the changes, it, it really depends on where you want to pinpoint a change. I mean, I can easily look at like just from a SWAC perspective, uh, you know, standpoint, look at how much has changed within the SWAC with Dr. Charles McClellan becoming the SWAC commissioner. Um, some people know this, some people don't, but under the previous regime, the SWAC was actually in the red financially or whatever. And there were rumors that some schools may have left because of situations, but then eventually the, uh, you know, then um, the previous guy decided to go ahead and go out. And Dr. McClellan, a former athletic director, was eventually voted. And then he was put into a high positive place ranking wise as commissioner. And I mean, in his first year, he was able to like turn a whole lot of things around, find different things. And I'm not exactly sure first year they made the profit, but I know about a second year he was in office, they had a profit and they were able to put it back into the schools. That's why you started seeing more sponsorships, why you started seeing more opportunities for, you know, the Southwestern Athletic Conference um, primarily. And um, I know one of the first things he did, like the swag baseball and softball tournament, he held a banquet for them. That was something like that had not been done in years. You know, held a banquet for them, all expenses paid, get whatever you wanted, this restaurant, trophies, all kind of things. Like that was like one of his first examples saying, I'm going to put more, you know, back into it. So I think his leadership within the swag was one of the biggest turnarounds definitely in the last five uh, to 10 years. Now, of course, you know, for HBCU fans like us, we've always known what the SWAG and MEAC, CIAA, SIAC and everybody like, you know, we know what, what the deal has been. But of course, you know, with the rise of black power and the this and the that or whatever. Yeah, we're seeing more guys, you know, choose it, whether it's straight out of high school or transfer. I mean, don't get me wrong. Now, we've always seen people transfer through the years. I just don't think it got really publicized, notarized, you know, through the years. Perfect example. You know, uh, I think a lot of people tend to forget Tavoris Jackson, rest mm -hmm. in peace, signed with Arkansas coming out right. of high school before he transferred to Alabama State. You know, um, the great wide receiver Southern had in the late 90s and early 2000s, Michael Hayes. He was at LSU and then eventually transferred over to Southern. I mean, you know, so there are like lots of guys who have like made, you know, made that happen. Unfortunately, I guess it really didn't become a trend like talking about until, you know, in, in these recent years. Now, of course, we can use the Coast Prime, Deion Sanders effect and whatnot in, in there as well. I mean, that's a whole nother story in it. If you don't know about it, then shame on you. You need to go ahead and just do, um, you know, some some Googling or whatever with that. But I think at the end of the day, I think more so the last five or 10 years, it's just been a matter of like being able to put good products on the field and put good this in in the air and also like hbcu alums you know matter no matter if they're famous or they're up and coming kind of like putting things on the map um let's use this for example anthony anderson you know um went to howard i didn't know he never finished his degree until like a month ago or whatever but <laughs> in the show black is you know he reps howard 
through and through, you know, and to try to have his son go to how, like, you know, how cool is a situation like that, you know, to, to come up and about? I mean, you can go back and think about the, the show that was on uh, BET. Uh, oh, God. College Hill. Uh, well, yeah, College Hill for one or whatever, mm -hmm. which was like, and, and I hate that I was a senior in high school, the first year of college years. So I didn't get a chance to experience that, even though I know a lot of people that were on that show. But um, the, the scripted one they had uh, the last couple of years, uh, with Gam, you and um, uh, 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 I know what you're talking about. The Quad. Uh, the Quad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, of course, they took recollection from a lot of things there and kind of incorporated that. As I remember, Matt, one of, one of the scenes later on, in the season when the current when the president of that school was talking to another president if you look on her um on her on her wall or whatever it, it established that that president was a quote-unquote graduate of southern university and all of a sudden like our university like got wind of it and was like yeah we signed off on this and everything they made a big old story about it. so you know it's like you kind of like making more of the culture just in general and we want to go all the way back or whatever you know let's not forget about what the impact that things like school days and mm -hmm. also him in college and a different yeah. world, you know, had on it. I mean, that's, that's my that's my show. Well, exactly. You, I mean, you even Smith, you even man. had like like yeah. Will Smith and Martin on their shows back in the day, you know, paying homage to it. And like, kind of, we kind of see that with Chris Paul did. I yeah, know, he was he re, he did a lot to rep for the HBCUs. Exactly, because Chris Paul is the only person in his family who didn't go to an HBCU, exactly. which is exactly. actually yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen Russell Wilson, you know, do some things as yeah. well, especially with his uh, with his grandfather. I think being at Kentucky State at one point in time. So you know, you you're seeing it. I think now people are noticing just a little more or whatever. I'm glad course, you pointed course. out thing about like how Will Smith and um, Martin Lawrence. I remember Queen Latifah. Um, yeah, shoot. Well, Jada Pickett Smith had a Southern jersey on one time. Britney Spears had a Southern shirt on in a Crossroads movie or whatever, which she specifically asked for. That's, I mean, yeah, there's a whole lot of things. I think people now are just kind of noticing what the nostalgia was and trying to just be like, hey, let's go ahead and just bring that thing back just in general. Now there's a lot of other things going on or whatever in the world that's not towards uh, in a positive light, but we're trying to overshadow the, the negatives with the positives all in all. And I mean, you know, like I said, I can only speak for a small portion. There's a whole lot of other people that can say whatever they want to say just in general when it comes to the acknowledgement of HBCUs. And I think it's going to continue to grow and expand, which also will lead to good things for just about any ever, any and every school if they do the right thing. I mean, heck, I don't know if y'all saw, Morris Brown is on his way back to being what it used to be, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and you know, and you think about like Think about how popular Morris Brown was in the movie Drumline, and that was right before things got yeah. as bad as they did. So, you know, you think about if they were able to overcome all that after like two decades, you know, think about like how everything else can be better for other people. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we're going to come back and bring our man Daniel Big Head D. Williams in the building. But we'll be back in 30. The Golden Boot Pod is proud to announce that merchandise is now available. We have everything from t-shirts and hoodies, to hats and beanies, to drinkware, to wearables and blankets. You can find it all under the merchandise tab at thegoldenboot.podbean.com or go directly to thegoldenboot.com. As always, thank you for supporting The Golden Boot Pod. All right, and we're back. 
Daniel D. Williams is with us. So, uh, Mr. Mr. Mo, uh, yes, Mr. Carter, we talked about uh, HBCUs uh, and the you know the changes over the last few years and stuff. Um, one thing, especially recently, with um, and we we've talked about the Dion effect so many times, so many times, but. We've started seeing we're starting to see an uh, 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 uptick of players going to the NFL or or getting camp invites and two from places you for, from Alabama and M that you covered, Dee Anderson, Akil Glass, both got invited to camps. Um, Dee Anderson, from all recollections, is uh, putting on a show down in New Orleans, and Marquise Bell from FAMU is doing the same with Dallas. So. Um, Thoughts. This is for everybody, but I, I, I point out because of the AM connection. But but thoughts are, are we surprised or we kind of knew this was going to happen? Or I mean, personally, I kind of thought, um, I, I really, really thought that things were going to work out quite well with D Anderson and also with Marquise Bell. Quite frankly, I thought Marquise Bell for a long, long time was going to be the first guy selected from an HBCU, um, especially after what things looked like with his junior year when he was still in the MEAC and then eventually made his way over to, uh, you know, to the swag with, with FAMU, especially the versatile guy that can literally play either the nickel, the corner, or free safety. He was just that good in the defensive backfield. D. Anderson, I only got a chance to see him for one year here in um, in Huntsville. You know, of course, he had transferred a couple of times, but, you know, he was a guy that led the swag in touchdowns. And, <clears throat> When you're 6'6", six, six, you're 220, and you're playing in the slot, like you are a matchup nightmare for anybody yeah. all day, every day. I got a chance to talk to my guy Ross Jackson from the Locked On Podcast Network who covers the Saints primarily over the weekend. He was like, yeah, man, D was showing out. Of course, the Saints are still going to take a little long time to really kind of figure out where they want to go with him, but he feels that D can at least make the practice squad, especially with the Saints having such a – heavy um, and loaded wide receiver room. Now, as far as the other guy here in um, in Huntsville, that was a quill glass. I got a chance to talk with uh, Greg Oman from, uh, I think he was with The Athletic, and basically said that the first day, a quill kind of struggled a little bit because of just adjusting things, but that was really the case with a lot of people. But then the next day came out, and he actually has a sweet says a few nice throws from the two-hour quarterbacks. Unfortunately, Glass will probably be the fifth quarterback just due to the fact that they have a big quarterback room just in general. However, he shows that he can compete at that level which is you know which is pretty great all in all but um now nah, man the uptick to say that we've got so many hbcu players in the nfl whether they were drafted or they were just getting camp invites it's definitely a good thing to show that people are being noticed well nfl scouts are noticing what's going on i tell people all the time like look if a scout from the nfl wants you they know how to find you don't believe all that Oh, they're not on TV enough, so they don't know and do this and do that. I mean, the guy from Fayetteville State, that's a Division II school. They weren't on TV as much as anybody, but yet he was the first HBCU player to be selected, and he went to the Senior Bowl. So, you know, yeah. let's like let, let's go ahead and just get rid of that um, lie. I hate to say yeah. it like that. Yeah. If they know if, if they know where you're at and they want you, somebody's come and find you. Yeah, right. That's cool. We always yeah, say talent can't be hidden. So, right. I would say with D. Anderson too, man. Of course, you know him starting his career at LSU, and it kind of started off rocky for him. But to see him, you know, get an opportunity and he's making the best 
uh, you know, he's making lemonade out of lemons, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, kid was always talented. And, you know, it's definitely seems like he's, he's matured. Uh, and like you said, I mean, it's hard to guard somebody 6'6", 220 in the slot that can run like a deer. So, you know, good luck to him. Hopefully he can make that roster spot, not just a practice squad, because Saints need help too at wide receiver. So we'll see. Yeah. There's a there's a kid from Jackson State who uh Houston, I believe, who got drafted by the um Lions. And uh their their general manager actually made a point before the draft to say he was gonna draft the HBCU kid. And he ended up you know, following through on his statement and, and actually drafted. So I think like you talked about, uh, scouts, scouts, scouts are gonna find you if if they feel like you're good enough. Not only just that, GMs will draft you if they feel like you're good enough. You know, they're, they're no longer saying, "Oh, I, I'll wait and get that HBCU kid as an undrafted free agent." If they want you now, they're actually selecting you higher up than we've seen in a few years. So I think that trend is just gonna keep coming. Agreed. And you're talking about Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes played at North Carolina A&T many years ago and spent some years in the NFL. So once again, guy knew what was going on and what was up. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at his profile right now. He was with the Rams in the mid to late 2000s. So that means guess who he was working with? Aeneas Williams. Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know, so, you know, so like you say, they, they'll definitely recognize it. I'm glad he actually made that point to make it happen or whatever. I think Houston was definitely a monster mm-hmm. all in all. I mean, yeah. quite frankly, I mean, he, shoot, I go back. He was the one that really changed that A&M Jackson State game right here in Huntsville. I mean, A&M was driving that first drive. And then when he came up with the strip and then took it back for a touchdown, that, that was a game changer. And that was the first drive of the of the game. You know, he, so, he, he's, he's easily the best player on the field whenever he's on the field. You know, in most cases. Uh, he's easily the best player on the field, and I don't. I'm surprised it kind of, like you said, it took him and Marquise Bell that long to get selected. Well, no, Marquise Bell didn't get selected, but I yeah. thought both of them would, would have went higher in the draft. No, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. But once again, we don't know what's the mindset for a lot of these NFL draft rooms, how high certain people are on certain boards and what the needs are. We only can see it from the outside looking in, but we're not with them yeah. just mm-hmm. You know, just in general, the most I can tell you is this, like, I know that the New England Patriots, you know, they always look at Alabama guys because Bill Belichick used to coach with Nick Saban and he knows that Nick Saban prepares guys for the NFL. That's why they have so many Alabama guys on their team. But that's about as general of the knowledge as we could really, really say from a NFL draft standpoint, because everybody's basically different. Right. Um, (laughs) I just I do want to point this out that. Fayetteville State, Jackson State. Um, I'm trying to think who else had someone. Uh, South Carolina, South Carolina State, Southern, and Southern all had more draft picks than Texas. I just want to throw it out there. Horns down, always. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I want to throw that out. Uh, Will Adams and Felix Harper also signed uh, pro deals. Um, Felix Harper is with uh, the Browns. The Browns. Um, and I think with Deshaun being there, uh, Felix, it may show a type of quarterback that they're looking to to go after now. And also, you know, even if he's just practice squad, you know, you got to look in that division. You've got Lamar, uh, Jackson. Lamar Jackson and you've got uh, – although he's, he may not be as mobile as some people think, he's still pretty mobile in, in Joe Shiesty, uh, Joe Burrow. And um, I'm not sure who the Steelers – 
I'm gonna make uh, Mitch Trubisky probably they're gonna be either, 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 either him or Peterman, but both of them actually are pretty good, you know, capable runners. Also. Right. So, so yeah, yeah. Um, Will Adams, uh, who did who did he end up going to, or who is he? I have to look uh, that up. Yeah. Okay. Um, but let's let's talk about because we did talk about transfers and people coming back to HBCUs or going to HBCUs. Uh, Rashad Williams is transferring from St. Louis to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, Tennessee State picked up transfer quarterback uh, Draylon Ellis and a defensive tackle uh, in Tyrell Allen. Uh, he's from Austin P. Both of and, both of them were from Austin P. Both from Austin P. Okay, well there you mm-hmm. go. Both from Austin P. Going to Tennessee State, and this one was actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Noah Bowden transferring from Grambling State University to Southern University, and his statement he released said, "I'm dropping the G and it's all SU." Well, the reason the re- what what adds a little spice to that mm-hmm. is if you know who his coach was in high school. <laughs> Was one aforementioned by Mr. Mo uh Bruce Eugene, yeah. Grambling, Grambling legend, and that's the reason why he was even at Grambling was because of Bruce Eugene, and so that that just adds a little more you know spice to the gumbo, when and him leaving Grambling to go to the rival. So I, I I'm curious to see how that plays out because the kid can ball. Did you see Bruce Eugene's statement about that? Yeah, that <laughs> I, I I did not. So. All right, so on Twitter, he says, yes, sir, my son. In life, you'll hit some bumps in the road. Learn from it because it'll make you better. Jaguar Nation, I'm now a fan of yours. Coach Dooley, take care of my guy. You know where to find me for the Bayou Classic. Wow. Right. Wow. (laughs) And, you know, every year the Bayou Classic always has an MVP luncheon. And, obviously, Bruce Eugene is a multi-time MVP for – for grambling up through the time that he's played with them. So, I mean, you know, is he going to rock his black and gold for the MVP lunch and then all of a sudden, like, I don't know, show blue and gold representing, uh, representing he gonna, his... He's going to take, uh, take the cape off like Superman <laughs> with the SU underneath. <laughs> wow. All yeah. right, let, let, let's 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 stay with Grambling for a oh, second. Oh, hey, Pooh Boy, I, I want to say this real, real quick, man. Him go ahead, go ahead. Not going to Pooh Southern boy. is going to be very, very interesting as well just because so like Bubba McDaniel was the guy most of the time last year whatever he was good he was okay and whatnot but you know but then when it got Bashawn McRae the Juco transfer I mean he balled out in the spring for the Jaguars mm-hmm. and coach Dooley said at the end of spring that hey you know his quarterback competition is still open he may bring in another one so mm-hmm. that QB competition in the summer which really will probably start in about two weeks. I'm pretty sure um, memory serves me correct. Football players who are usually on campus like either that Tuesday or Wednesday after Memorial Day or whatever at Southern if they remain on the same schedule and all that. So Biden's going to be there within the next two, three weeks. And, like, he's going to compete against those other guys or whatever with, you know, the now offseason workouts you can't have. So, man, that quarterback battle will be interesting. I may give McCray – the slight edge just because of the experience factor, but from the long-term future, it probably will be, you know, Biden just in general. But, you know, we'll we'll go ahead and see how it goes from that. Coach Dooley basically said he wants a winner. He doesn't care if they're a game manager or if they're just a guy that can sling it around and put up all kinds of points and numbers. He just wants somebody that can win. Well, I, I let me – before you go, Pooh, uh, oh, no, I, I add this to it too. Like, 
not only not only did we see you know him go to Southern, but all the recruits who originally committed to Southern, and then like Dante Starks, you know what I mean, who committed to Southern but ended up at Grambling. So mm. with this Bayou Classic is going to be a lot of chippiness, and you know, oh absolutely, familiar, I mean, even more than normal, you know what I mean, because right. of the you know players. I was committed to you, but I signed with him. You know, I went here for a year. I transferred to the rival. So it's going to add an extra layer of chippiness this year to the Bayou Classic. Absolutely. It's going to be very interesting. It's going to be personal. You know, I might have to give an edge to the Bayou this year. This year. Come on down. We'll treat you you to a good time down here, Poop Pop. All right. So, speak, staying with Grambling and and (laughs) – I guess the theme of, of turmoil. <laughs> Grambling yeah. State volleyball coach is now, uh, or Grambling decided to perform an investigation into this. We we mentioned this before. Um, there's two narratives out there, but basically what happened was uh, Coach um, Chelsea Lucas, did I get right. that right? Mm-hmm. Um, came in as uh, was hired as Grambling volleyball coach. Uh, the circumstances of how we got here are a little murky. We, you know, one side says she came in, told everybody to pack, you know, not in these words, but everybody pack your bags. Uh, another one was they, you know, it was like, hey, we don't want to play for this coach. Uh, but either way, none of the players from last year's team are is returning or uh, are returning, and now that it's being investigated. Um, it got, it got it got the attention of Stephen A. Smith on first take also. Yes. Um, at, at also, one, uh, I think it was also there was a big article in like USA Today as yeah. well about it. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, we've had uh, Yard Talk uh, HCX Miss Love on, and, and she talked about it uh, initially. You know, talking about the United Front presenting a message um, as, as a school uh, to kind of avoid some of the PR nightmare. Um, but this story never seems to die. It keeps coming back up. Um, anybody? <laughs> I, I don't need, I, no, I don't want to say, I, you say you love it. No, nah, no, nah, I don't love it. I love to go first. Uh, okay, go, ahead. go ahead, man. Go ahead. What, what's the reasoning for opening back the investigation or starting an investigation if you know your your statement whenever you came out is you know that this wasn't done maliciously or you know whatever um and that you know you had issues with the players is it because now it's getting national media attention because well, I, I, the yeah, reason why i'm asking that the, is original, because- the original statement from the athletic department and ad was that um the coaches have the freedom and you know to run their programs the way they see fit Right, right. Well, the, the reason why I'm saying that is because the Art Brow situation, you know, at first you guys were going to hire him, but then you decided not to because you got backlash. So now it seems like you're doing an investigation only because you're getting backlash. So, you know, if your statement is let the coach run her program how she want, wants to run her program, then let her do that. And just my opinion. Yeah, if I, that's mean, I, I, I understand that train, um, train of thought. Um, I'm I'm gonna look at this from a different viewpoint. Uh, I'm gonna look at this from the viewpoint of if you want if you want players to commit to your program, you know what I mean, and you want and you want 
you know, your your program's name to be cleared in a sense, then why not have a third party come in and investigate it to clear yourself to say, hey, look, somebody else came in and said that we didn't do anything wrong here. And it's not my word versus the player's word anymore. We have, you know, proof, if you want to call it that, based off this investigation that we did everything by the book. So in a sense, you don't have to just argue back and forth with the, you know, on social media as the supporter of the coach or supporter of the players, you can actually prove what really happened based off this investigation. So you don't have Stephen A. Smith saying, we need to find out what happened. Okay, we found out what happened. No, you're absolutely right, man. Um, and it's funny because the facts, majority of the facts for what we need to know as people on the outside looking in are definitely there. I mean, anyone that knows anything about college athletics knows that scholarships are year to year. You know, you know, there are no such thing as four year scholarships anymore. I mean, they did away with that definitely before I got into college. I got into college in, you know, 2004, 2005 or whatever. So, uh, you know, so they did away with that. So, you know, they are renewable from year to year. Heck, I've seen teammates of mine not get theirs, you know, mm. back in the day. Um, might have had it one year and then something came up and then they didn't have it the next year. They had to go ahead and apply with the FAFs and get some financial aid. So we definitely know that. Um, I know Chelsea Lucas um, personally because she's from home. I'm from Napoleonville, Louisiana. She was a heck of a standout in volleyball and also uh, track and field at Terrebonne High School, an all-state performer. I actually thought she was a little bit better in track than what she was uh, with volleyball. And then eventually she played at GSU. As well, I mean, as Ant said, if you, if you know, she wants to build a program in her own light, and technically, what she did, she was able to do that as far as cutting the team and then rebuilding whatever she wanted to do it. Now, if you want to bring in the firm to say, oh, you know, was it legally straight to go ahead and do that? Then, yeah, feel free to go ahead and, and, and do that. Now, I will also say this as a former student athlete, my heart is for those young ladies who may not have the opportunity to play at Grambling anymore just due to due to the situation and circumstances just in general. Do I think it's been blown out of proportion a little bit? Absolutely. But I think at the end of the day, we're going to find out everything that needs to know. And, I mean, granted, this happened, like, literally right after the Hugh Jackson stuff or whatever with the NFL thing. So, like, Grambling's been having a little black eye on them for a little minute during these last couple of months. And I think they're just trying to find, eventually, hopefully, find some positives, you know, through that. Like, me as a journalist, these are the things I hate to see with HBCUs primarily because we know there's some good with it, but you have to accept the bad in certain instances or whatever. So you have to hope that at the end of the day, some positives will, you know, come up from this. Now, I also will say this for Coach Lucas, is that once all this is over, she's got to have some results. She's yes. got to have some yes, results. Yes. You know, because he, I've always been told, winning cures a whole lot. So she's got to find a way to Correct. So she has to find a way to get some positive results, and that means get some wins, you know, whether it's regular season wins in the SWAC, some out-of-conference wins, or, heck, even advancing in the SWAC volleyball tournament. Do one of those, and I think some of those things will kind of go by the wayside at a certain point. But I'll tell you this, she will never forget the beginning of her tenure as a head coach at GSU for sure. I agree. And and, and real quick, Pooh, um, I when I say they, they're doing the investigation to make sure they did everything right, and what I mean by that is, like, to make sure, like Daniel said, there isn't no maliciousness in the way she went about cutting players, that it wasn't a personal vendetta between – because she she is a, a, a SWAT coach. She coached in the SWAT before Grammar. So mm -hmm. there was 
history between the players and her as opponents. You understand? So do the investigation to show that it wasn't a personal vendetta that she had, you know, from their playing times against each other or whatever the case may be. It was strictly because of performance or what she saw she needed to do for her program. Can I ask a question, though? Let's let's for instance, let's just say she she wanted to cut the players because she didn't think any of them was good and wanted to make them try out again. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Just like what's Nothing. what's the issue? No, but 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 if but if this if, if if it was a situation of whenever we played Grambling, whenever I was at UAPB. I didn't like your attitude, so I'm cutting you. That's that's a personal vendetta. That has nothing to do with performance. That's the type of stuff that will be cleared out in this investigation. That's true. That is true. I mean, let's not forget um, the team that that Deion Sanders had in spring of 2021. Probably what sixty percent of that team was not there in the fall of 2022. And I know all them dudes just didn't up and leave. Right. So, you know, we want to make, you know, comparison from a coaching standpoint. But, and man, I'm glad you went ahead, you know, brought up the thing about the personal vendetta situation. Yeah, that, that's really what I meant. What up, Devin? <laughs> hey, Mo, also, you also mentioned that you was in Central Louisiana. I'm from Alexandria myself, man. Well, I lived okay. there for a little bit. Yeah, I went to Ash. Cool. What high school you was at? I went to Ash. Okay. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. The more Ash Trojans. Oh man. All right. So um I was gonna say to 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 cap off the whole situation, um, I, I hope it's is resolved. So we we've talked about or we've heard about this since ooh, our second episode, and our irony is we we only do HBCU hour once every two weeks, and we this is episode five, and that's a month and a half, two months. Yeah. Um Jay Z said it best: Nobody win when when the family feuds. So one bad coach to another bad coach, or one one coach with turmoil to another coach with turmoil. Let Let's go there then. Um, we we ironically we talked about her, uh, Miss Cynthia Cooper Dykes. Um, she you know retired Legend. earlier this you know earlier this season. Now um, she is also under investigation. Um, because former players have accused her of being demeaning, demoralizing, and abusive. Um, they, the investigation um, revealed allegations that Ms. Cooper Dykes uh, routinely used overt sexual language with her players and that she and her staff doled out excessive punishment that the team members say endangered uh, their physical and mental health. Uh, the the uh, allegation spans from her time at Texas Southern from 2012 and 13. Uh, and then again in 2019 to 22, her time at USC from 2013 to 17, and also her time at UNC Wilmington from 2010 to 2012. She got a track record. Yeah. A bad, a bad one as it seems. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it is, it's a lot. Um, it's still kind of fresh, uh, so I, I'm trying to tread lightly on this one. Um, but I'll I, I just say this, Pooh. If the allegations are true, there's no place for that in, in, in any sport, much less women's basketball or women's sports. And as a as a former as a former athlete and women athlete, that that's really what gets me is 
she should she should understand that there's no place for that you know what i mean in the game so um and i don't want to if that's if all this is true i do want to clarify that but i i just just hate to see um someone who was a legend in, in that sport man for women's basketball she really was a trailblazer and and to see her name being attached with something so shameful it just it kind of pains me to see in a sense well yeah and, I, and I'll say too, I know a lot of old old school coaches. I can remember whenever I was playing in high school, I had coaches that would grab me by my face mask, rip it off. You know, you'll be watching film, they'll throw a can of dip at your head. You know, they were a little bit abusive, right? <laughs> and, you know, they might've said some choice things that, you know, if you said it now, you'll lose your job. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of that stuff, you know, they did that in the past, but you know, with this new generation of kids and you can't do that. Yeah, the you word is changing. You got to know the uh, the climate. You know what I mean? And you, you got to know. Yeah. yeah, that especially that, you know, but not the climate of not just the, your team and, you know, and your sport, you know what I mean? But the times as a whole, bro. And you you got to know what you can and can't say. But let's, let's also, you don't have to do that in order to get results. You don't have to demean anyone. You don't have to bully any any players to, to get those results that you need. So yeah. the fact that she was a great athlete and chose to do that, it, that's just that's I mean, look, look look at look at look at the, the probably the best coach in ain't no probably the best coach in their conference, Coach Reed mm-hmm. at Jackson State. She's mm-hmm. the exact opposite. You know what I mean? Yeah, she might she might there might be some, you know, constructive criticism and stuff like that, but you can tell that it's coming from love. You know what I mean? And it's not to break a player down. It's really to build them back. The same we see at Kim Oak. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's tough for the players, but it's out of love to build them up, not to break them down as a person. Agreed. Same thing can be said about Sandy Pugh, man, when she was at yeah. Southern, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sandy did the same thing. She loved those girls, you know, all day, every day, and always wanted the best for them, made sure that – they were taken care of both on and off the court um, from a student athlete uh, standpoint. And of course, I've heard, even though she hasn't had the success like she did at Southern Dodge, that she's at Prairie View, I've still heard some good things about her out there and, you know, here, there, and everywhere. Been to a few practices. Yeah, she's going to raise her voice or whatever. That's what's going to happen. Same thing, um, Montgomery, you know, in Alabama State with um, Coach Frieda Freeman Jackson. I mean, look. Look, I didn't see Coach Free to get in some girls' tails, you know, or whatever. But then it's more like after she does it, this is why I yelled at you because if you do it in the game, then we lose the this and and and, and all that. So for for Cynthia Cooper Dyke, you know, a great player, trailblazer, and whatnot, to say that this has happened at multiple places is definitely not a good thing, right. allegedly, you know. Yeah. But the fact right. that all this is now culminating to whatever after her retirement you know it almost makes it seem like it was eventually going to come out anyway and looks like you know things have kind of just hit the fan from there so you know i guess we'll find out coming up what the full full truth is very soon yes uh mr dk uh hey if you have any shirt needs or or stuff holler at my man dk he'll take care of you but dk said uh as a coach, I get on kids all day, but the, the key is to operate from a position of love and with the kids' best interest. Um, yeah. I can I can agree with that. Um, 
I know that I, I started doing uh, flag football for my son and just seeing some of the, how the other kids, you know, you one thing, you can't talk to every kid the same. That's one. And then one of the rules that we have out there, uh, there is no profanity towards the kids. Um, and also you're not to to jump on a kid. And when I say jump on, I'm not physically, you know, I know we all understand that. But for the audience, you know. <laughs> Ain't nobody jumping on no kids out here, but we, we, we yeah, I know, right? No, but the, the thing is, we, we are told, you know, you know, you got to tread lightly on how can't, you talk to something. You can't kids. berate the kids, right? Yeah. Because, you know, one, you know, I've not, I've seen, we've all seen videos of parents coming out the stands and stuff. So, some of that stuff you just got to watch out for. But, um, and I, I think it I think it is a way to where you can break a player down without demeaning mm-hmm. the player to build yeah, them back for up. Sure, for sure, for sure. You know what I'm but saying? I think that definitely could be done. It's all about the intentionality of your words though, bro. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And I mean I mean, yeah. whenever it comes to coaching, it's not about these four years, it's about the rest of your life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whenever you think about coaches, I can think about my coach, my college coaches, my high school coaches, I can call them anytime. You know what I'm saying? Because they were different difference makers. So, you know, I, I would hope that she didn't yeah. do that. All right. Yeah. Great. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I do want to kind of move on to something a little bit more uplifting. Um, Tariq Cohen, uh, he wrote a letter um, basically discussing. Too uplifting, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's. Going through it right yeah. now. Well, yeah. well, I mean, now. I mean, but you yeah. know, he he, but he he did wrote he wrote a letter to his, his younger seventeen year old self, uh, just telling about the you know the things he went through, um, uh, cha- having to change schools, uh, almost committing a homicide, um, death death in his his own family. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but and y'all say not I, the way I look at it. Um, it it, it shows. It's uplifting in the sense that he's still here and that he made it through that, bro. And it's it's uplifting because that's that's proof to a kid who's 17 right now who has a similar lifestyle of what he lived in that, hey, maybe I can, you know, maybe not make it to the NFL, you know, but maybe right. I can make it to college or maybe I can, you know, chase my dream, whatever it may be. I don't have to be, you know, a product of the environment I'm in right now. So I, I it's, it's, it's a very sad you know story in a lot of senses but i think the overall message of it is uplifting yeah. in a sense of that's where he was at but look where he's standing at now you know what i mean right right but you know the good thing about his story is the fact that because he can't speak about it now that he's overcame that you yeah. know what i'm saying because i want to go script but of course you know we're free, we're set free by the words of our you know our, our testimony you know what i'm saying but the fact that he was so at, at a place so low that can like what you said it, it could touch somebody in that place and that they can see that hey he made it out i can do the same thing yeah. so it's always i always like that man especially if you came from if you came from a good place tell yeah. your story you well, know what i'm well, saying because everybody everybody didn't grow up in a bad environment you know what i'm saying everybody got a story and, and by you telling it you, you never know who you can touch you know but hey, i just i just I just got an alert that um, Tariq Cohen tore his Achilles today uh, yeah. in that workout. Um, yeah. I, I'm watching the video. I could tell, bro. Yeah, he, 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 he heard it pop. 
Yeah, yeah he, ru- he ruptured. He ruptured his Achilles. But um, so he's I, good. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 he was undrafted. He was uh, well, he was not undrafted, but he was a free agent um at the moment. That's why one reason why he was posting that workout video to try to gain some more interest. And I'm not gonna say he's done, but this is another another it's another mountain for him to climb you know right. but if anybody can do it he's shown that you know he can bounce back but i just i just want to say for those who may not have came from that type of environment right. um read read the story so you can kind of see what some people and some of these athletes do have to go through and let's let's remember that next time you know we want to jump down their back because they miss a block or drop a pass or you know what i mean or they decide not to go to an in-state school you know what i mean or whatever the case may be like these these they're humans at the end of the day or hey they decided to go on a fishing trip with their homeboys you know stop it stop it bro they're humans stop it we are not hold on hold on hold on let me keep going Nah, nah, you you earn this one. The views and opinions expressed in the Golden Boot Podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the Golden Boot Podcast as a whole. I am not talking about Miles Brandon tonight. No, sir. So, no, uh, sir. So about South Carolina State, what you was about to say, Pooh? South Carolina State um, raised $3 million for athletics. Um, Daniel, Yo. we talked about this. Uh, has been placing time out, yeah. <laughs> he, he has, uh, but uh, South Carolina State raised three million dollars for athletics. Daniel, you we we talked about this, um, two episodes ago about um, HBCUs taking money games and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. uh, how Dion came out and said you don't need it. And, and, the, and the conversation was, and Mo, I would love your opinion on this. Yeah. The mm-hmm. conversation was, do we, do we need those money games, or you know, can HBCU start generating that money for themselves? Uh, we know schools like Jackson State are is, is starting to do it now. We see South Carolina State, um, who did beat Jackson State in the celebration bowl that they're starting to raise that money um so my question i guess is you know is it start time to stop looking at those money games i feel like it just depends on really who you are so i would have to literally say like yes and or no in in that sense and the reason why i say that is that obviously you know there are a lot of schools who depend on those money games from the best for football playing those big schools um that helps not only generate revenue for that time period but really help generate revenue for an entire fiscal year athletically as well you know um like take a look at this i if i'm not mistaken my guy reggie flood was the first to kind of break down like the southern lsu thing i think southern's getting like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to go across the go literally across town to play lsu you know and then the band is getting an additional uh additional amount along with um there'll be a future revenue or whatever because that game is going to be on one of uh you know probably like sec network or something so you know in in that situation like think about like how far that's going to go just in general i mean we look at notre dame's going to be playing tennessee state and apparently that game is going to be generate like one point whatever million dollars for them which is by far one of the highest things in hbcu has ever gotten i mean you can't tell me tennessee state doesn't need that money not only for for their athletic programs but also for some other um 
you know, for some other things within really their portion of Nashville to help upgrade some some other scenarios. Now, yeah, I know that um, Coach Deion Sanders that said that, but if I want to play devil's advocate, um, is he talking about just them? Or is he talking about everybody in general? Because let's not forget Deion Sanders' first game. Wasn't it against Edward Waters? He played. They played. Yeah. And they so played, technically, they wouldn't that be a money game for Edward Waters? They played ULM as a money game for ULM. ULM Correct. Paid I, re- I remember that. To come over here. So, yeah, man. I remember that. But I'm just saying, like, wasn't Dion's first game against Edward Waters? So wouldn't that be a, a be yeah. a money game for that like, HBCU and Edward Waters as yeah, well? True. So you know, I don't want to rub you know rub no rub no elbows the wrong way, but you know, you want to kind of call a spade a spade in that situation. Now, granted, yeah, with Jackson or whatever, yeah, they, they're drawing the fans. They can go ahead and get that, and if the money is spread correctly. And I say correctly because there's been some financial things in the past with Jackson State that if you Google, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So if you know if those things are done whatever correctly, then absolutely they can go ahead and do it. But you can't say that for each and every other school literally across the state. It's so funny how like we'll see HBCUs like play non-conference other FCS opponents, and then what happens when you go over there and stuff? First and foremost, it's one of their biggest crowds ever. Because obviously we take it a little bit more serious than what they do, and all of a sudden they get that taste of, oh man, look, look what's going on. We got an HBCU coming across and stuff. I mean, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think like five of Northwestern out of five out of Northwestern State's five top um, Grambling games. Studio. Yeah, as far as like attendance, I think Southern has like three, and Grambling has like one yeah. other one, yeah. and the only other one is like Stephen F. Austin, which is Northwestern State's arch rival. So you know, so what does that say? I think Southern also helped McNeese set a attendance record as well. <laughs> so you know, you kind of look at it like at the end of the day, what has to happen is that you know if you can't fully fund your athletic programs to to a point where you want to think on that you also you got to do some of these other things just in general so i mean granted like i said hey my senior year we played houston when they had um case keenum and um case keenum was the quarterback and uh kevin sumlin was a head coach you know we got a pretty good paycheck you know that year from it so you know hey hey i i'll say this though um you said they raised three million dollars right correct all right um their entire athletic budget as of uh 20 2021 was eight million dollars so think about how much that three is going to help that exactly but just just think about how we said they don't they don't like some people saying they need to get rid of money games well the smallest FCS athletic budget is Mississippi Valley. The second smallest is Alcorn. The third smallest is Jackson State. You know, the fourth smallest is South Carolina State. All these all these HBCUs literally have the smallest athletic budget at their level. I'm, I understand that we don't want to play money games, but until we can get to Stephen F. Austin, 19 million, South Dakota State, 22 million. Uh, North Dakota State, twenty-eight million. Until we can get up there to that number, then we need to be doing whatever we can as HB. I, I say we, but HBCUs need to be doing whatever Great. they can to increase the budget. However, it is. If that means you got to play a ULM or you got to play a ULL or uh, Notre Dame or whoever it is to get a few million here and there, then do what you got to do it and keep increasing that budget so you can compete. Let me, and let me show go this ahead and add it. I want to add this to you too, or whatever. You mentioned like North Dakota State and South Dakota State or whatever. People also need to remember that 
North Dakota State, South Dakota, South Dakota State, those are the flagship universities of those states. So they're getting all the money in their state. And just to give the equivalent to people who are watching or whatever, basically those schools are the equivalents to what LSU is in Louisiana, what Alabama mm-hmm. is in the state of Alabama, what Florida State and University of Florida are in. Like, when you think about all the federal education funding, those schools are getting it up there or whatever. So, you know, it may be even longer before we can even see our HBCUs, especially here in the SWAC, even, even taste or what you know that type of uh financial success will be yeah and yeah I, but i mean i would, I would also add to too, those those teams like north dakota state you know they have a they have a history of winning right correct um so that could be another reason why they do have so much support um but i can say this and you, you were talking about them playing the games now of course you know i wasn't i, I wasn't i wasn't opposed to them not playing big games uh big money games uh, I think it's a way for them to uh, bring in extra money. But I will say this. So let's say you get away from the money games, right? How are you going to get your funding? Well, we always say this. Every every time we do the HBCU, uh, HBCU hour is people have to reinvest into yeah. their school, into their programs. Okay, so you tired of seeing your team get beat 52 to 7? All right, then. There's a way that you can stop taking those games. How well, about you, say- I say this though. I say this. It. I agree with you 100. They have to reinvest, but they have to do it continuously. You know what I mean? Like, like if you look at some of these other schools, like I know, I know, know, I know you mentioned uh, North Dakota State and South Dakota State's are flagships. I mean, if you want to look at East Tennessee State, they get 21 million, and I know they're not the flagship. You know what I mean? So you can, you can. I get, I get your point, but what I'm saying is, there's other schools at the same level. Who are finding ways to increase their budget whether it be through tv deals whether it be through alumni giving back continuously but you have to find ways to get the money year in and year out so yeah reinvest but do it this year and then next year and then the next year you know what i mean and continuously give back and then after you continuously give back then we'll be able to get that facility we'll be able to get this we'll be able to get this and our budget will be able to increase let me ask you this too. And you said Jackson State has one of the lowest, right? Correct. The second lowest. The, second as of 2020. Lowest. As of 2021, I want to make that clear. Okay. So let's, I mean, their attendance, don't they break attendance records almost every year? Mm-hmm. They have been. Football. And football. And football. What? No, so. I know. I'm saying the football. So I, I'm just saying, like, where's that money going? You know, or not where's that money going, but. I'm be quiet on that one. The fans. <laughs> What are the fans doing? You know, I mean, I, I just—I mean, you love your program, you love right. HBC, you my, love your my, my thing, my thing is this: All right, if we look, if we look at, I—I I put myself on blast for a second. All right, I'm a season ticket holder for LSU, right? So that means that means I'm giving money back to that school through t- you know tab tab fees, you know ticket sales, going to and all that, right? Okay, I can I can do that one one year. But what am I going to do? I'm going to re-up my season tickets next year. I'm going to re-up my season tickets next year. And I'm going to keep doing it. What what we have to do is we have to make sure that we are doing it constantly. And not just going to one game a year and saying, oh, I supported. I went to see Jackson State play Southern. You know what I mean? I'm supporting. Yeah, you gave $25. You know what I mean? Like, I'm and I'm not. 
I'm not knocking that. Yeah, I'm not knocking yeah, that. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is, if you go to five six games every year, you you giving two hundred and fifty dollars now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and it, all you did was do the same thing you did and had fun doing. You just did it a few more times. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it, you just gotta. I don't know how. Well, look, somebody, somebody says, what if they don't reinvest? And if they don't reinvest, then ain't nothing going to change. Like, look, we, we are where we are. Tickets, with LSU season, season tickets, you know this. In order for you to get season tickets, you have to give a donation. Mm-hmm. Correct. It starts Correct. off at $50 if you Correct. want to be a season ticket holder. Correct. That's actually like that at, like, many That's at most P5 schools. So why why yeah. don't – why don't – why where, where is – um? Where is the Southern uh, the Jaguar Athletic Foundation? You know, I'm I'm not sure if there is one or not. But if there is a Southern, then why can't Southern do the exact same thing? Right. And I'll tell you this: um, it's been talked about in the alumni association. What happens is that we've got the True Blue Foundation, and that thing raises multi-million dollars per year. But of course, it goes more towards. and academics and all that you know the same situation with uh with the bayou classic i mean southern and grambling get close to a mill whatever just starting off per year uh and a lot of that goes to athletics but because the the bayou classic is ingrained with the state of louisiana and you really can't make too many changes because you have to literally have to go through like um a legislative session and all that a lot of the money goes back into academics and to education as well which you know as a sports fan i'm like okay i wish i could see a little bit more but then as somebody who just loves my institution i'm like hey if we ain't got to do x if we ain't got to sell dinner plates to go ahead and keep us off you know off the ground and all that then then i'm cool church church building fun yeah correct you know see that that go that brings me back to a question we had not too long ago on the show Mm -hmm. should they should all right the bayou class Mm-hmm. How much we renting out this Superdome for to have that event? You know what I mean. So yeah, and, and look and look, you rented it out for multiple nights because you had the you had the Battle of the Bands there, and then you rent it. So would it make would it make more sense financially for these the two athletic departments to do home and homes? That's or, or, something or, I've always been curious about. You know well, what I mean? If if you're paying to rent that stadium out, you should be. <laughs> you should yeah. be. You know what yeah, I'm I saying? Mean, out, how many people you bring, how many you know, people you, you, know you know you know the high school after the lhsa has to rent that out for the state championship games right mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean so the superdome gonna make that money bro you you ain't getting that building for free but you know what you can get for free you can get eddie robertson stadium and grambling for free you yeah, get that for free I'm all not, day long you get i'm not saying that they they should get it for free what i'm saying is they're packing the superdome out you have so many people that's coming to the new or- to New Orleans to invest in the city of New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? Yep. In that, how many years has that been done, right? Since Instead of it, nineteen, well, for a long time, oh five, yeah, before I've been born. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, so, so my thing is, it's kind of like it goes along to what you're saying. Okay, hey, instead of us allocating this money here, let's bring it. Let's bring it back. Let's bring yeah, it back instead of, instead of instead of making New Orleans rich, let's yeah. make Grambling, Louisiana rich. Let's That's make right. Ruston and all the areas around Grambling rich. Let's put that money back in the north side of Baton Rouge instead of you know what I mean. And like, like you just same, said, same, same, gonna same, get with same with you, Pooh in Magic City. You know what I mean? Let's yeah, let's we, we talk back, about that. Yeah, back into the campuses, and then you can and then you can start putting more money back in the athletic department. But I, I'm gonna tell you something. Um, 
because I, I I thought about this is not you know you you talked about LHS uh, LHSAA rents out the Superdome so in Alabama they rotate between Alabama and Auburn every year well you know, actually you got to add um the new Birmingham Stadium now too pro protective protective UAB yeah protective. yeah UAB's new stadium so it's like a three year rotation now between the three so here here was my thought you've got Alabama State built a brand new stadium. Alabama A&M has, they're doing renovations and building on their campus. Um, South Alabama even built a brand new stadium. My thought was have this, the, the state championship games rotate between the different colleges. And then, you know, one, the student athletes get to see that campus, get more knowledge of different schools and stuff like that. And that school can help generate some money. I know that'll help Alabama State. I know it'll help AM. It'll help South Alabama. It's already helping Alabama and Auburn, which don't yeah. really need much help anyway. And it's going to help UAB. Um, That's a good which, idea, though. That's a good which, idea. Which UAB falls under Alabama, the University of Alabama. So Correct. they're double dipping mm -hmm. anyway. So don't get me started no, on that. But no, I, I totally agree with you on that. I think the most that you really get out of those other stadiums, I know like the North-South All-Star game for football is played at South Alabama's new stadium. And then right. the Alabama-Mississippi football All-Star game, where you get all the four and five-star prospects from both of those uh, states, they – well, they rotate. It's between Southern Miss when it's in Mississippi and then when it's in Alabama, it's still at Crampton Bowl. Mm. Um it was supposed to be at the new Alabama State Stadium, but I'm just going to go and say that somebody didn't make a right decision when the negotiations were going on. That's that's all I'm going to say to that, and yeah. I'm going to leave it like that. It's, it's a lot of <laughs> negotiations between Alabama State that kind of foil. They can scratch your head, you know. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, shout out to Steve Harvey. Y'all just Google that one. <laughs> so, Ooh, um, I was there. I remember it. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I can, but I can say, too, though, I know, like, Ash, my high school, we just paid, played in the state championship game, what, last year, two years ago, and we played yeah. at Northwestern State. So I want to say they are making an effort, I guess, to – That was uh, that was that was because of COVID. COVID, though, right? That was because of COVID? COVID? Okay. Yeah. All right, well. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think that was like the largest stadium – that, that was could, a, like yeah that was the that was the largest stadium without without a lot of stadium restrictions and stuff like that, oh, that yeah. makes sense. and and but with the um the um the select and non-select a lot of you know we got that crap now in louisiana the select the select schools the select schools get a choice of whether they want to have it at the dome or whether they want to do it at the home of the lowest seat or the highest seat whatever you want to say you know um so if the number one seat in select wants to have it at their home place they get it and they get the gate you know what i mean or majority of the gate so i i don't know i i, I don't know why somebody like gremlin couldn't come in and say hey we'll host all the selects here and you know and split the gate 50 50 with you because at least the high school gets some of the gate that they wouldn't get at the dome and gremlin right. gets something that instead of nothing but and then, uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Tulane host one of the select ones as well? Like Catholic, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, played. they had they had the one uh, with the two. Um, I think it was the two New Orleans schools in the select. Uh, okay, and they then Catholic played, High played there too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah I, I think they played. Yeah, I think both of them had uh, had their games there at the same day. So Tulane's getting getting <laughs> yeah. money. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say Catholic High. Catholic High. <laughs> Uh, 
Don't bring that up in here. I'm sorry. Small podcast guys here. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, we're starting to get to a point we we have to start rapping. But I did want to mention this story. Um, I talked about it during altar call. Uh, but the Delaware State women's lacrosse team. Um, for those who don't know, they were uh, basically involved in a traffic stop, which look, appeared to be a routine traffic stop. I'm not sure the the nature of the uh, violation um, of the traffic violation, but they were, you know, routine traffic stop. Then from there, um, it kind of spiraled into um, what can only be looked at as racial profiling. Um Sheriffs came on board uh, 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 the bus and explained that they were about to search uh, the, the, everyone's stuff. Um, they asked if anyone had marijuana. Ma- ma- can we can we can we make sure we throw in the caveat that they brought the dogs? They brought the dogs, and the dogs did not alert on anything. Yeah, Correct. Ahead. Yeah. Um, then they they mentioned that they were going to uh, search everyone's stuff. Then from there, um, they, when asked why, are, you know, why are you searching? You know, you know, you know, it's just a routine traffic violation. And, and one of the deputies stated that uh, we stop, we stop the driver for a violation, but we're searching y'all. We're conducting business on y'all. So I don't know what led to or the decision making uh the sheriff did come out and say that none of his deputies uh searched any person belongings body cam show different so um it's a story that again like i said i hit on before it, it's it's aggravating it's to the point now where the delaware attorney general and governor have both uh say that they, they are going to file uh civil rights violations with the uh doj so that that is um yeah is it is it justice or is it justice i think we know i think we know some you know it if it i'm not i'm not (laughs) yeah i'm not surprised yeah and I'm not surprised, but I'm also I'm still speechless. If that makes sense, so I mean, even with the Brooklyn uh, shooting, uh, you know, press press to everyone that was involved in that. I mean, you had Buffalo. that situation. Uh, Buffalo, I'm sorry, yeah. Buffalo. Yeah. Just, the yeah. fact, the fact, dog, the fact that it's 2022, and and we still having these conversations, dog, like. Yeah, it's 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 I'm you naive if you say that stuff like this don't happen because you have entirely too much proof of it happening day in and day out. Um, Agreed. Yeah, and it's it's only getting worse because everyone has a cell phone camera now. So it's not that it's new; it's just that it's it's. I I forgot who said it, but it's talking about police police brutality. Ain't nothing changed. It's just on on camera now. That's the only difference. Yeah. So. All right. Um, let us again trying to wrap this up. Uh, let's do. We got some quick hitters. Uh, Fish University hired Miss Victoria Crawford as the new women's basketball coach. Um, 
Miss Crawford is, uh, and I, I forget because I lost it that, that fast, but uh, she was a standout in her own at Memphis um, as a basketball player. And now she she uh, turns to Fisk University to lead them. Uh, next, uh, we mentioned Coach Reed, one of the top, you know, HBCU women's basketball coaches. She just got a transfer in Liz Martino from Rutgers. So that team just added some danger. Now we're going to switch to a little golf. Um, yeah, I know that's something Daniel and y'all ain't think we'll say. Uh, Howard's Greg Odom Jr. made uh, his PGA Tour debut at the Wells Fargo Tournament. I'm sorry, Wells Fargo Championship. Um, he did not make the cut, but, however, um, I think it's just – Greg Odom's son? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is Greg Odom's son, but not that Greg. Not Greg. <laughs> that Greg Odin, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that dude there. Nah, hold on, hold on. Hey, but speaking of speaking of basketball players, though. Yeah, yeah, yes. Now, Earl Joseph Smith the third. Earl, Earl Joseph Smith the third. I know y'all like who? Yeah, you may know him as J.R. Smith. He put on a shirt, everybody, and. Uh, mm-hmm. He he competed went, as, as some of you may know. He went back to school uh, to, to he went North to Carolina he's at A&T. North Carolina A&T, uh yeah. on the golf team. J.R. Smith finished the semester with a four point oh. Um, I actually finished the year with a four point oh, and is the North Carolina A&T Academic Athlete of the Year. Might want to watch out. You may see him on a PGA Tour coming soon. Yeah, so. Yeah, he might. That, hey, that boy right there might just make something of himself. Hey, day, hey, he, he, what if, what if he leaves school early? Hey, yeah, he, hey, if that, that boy going to high school, uh, leaving, leaving high school to go straight to the pros, he, biggest mistake. He, he could have made something of himself, man. I tell you, yeah, I know, I know, right? Hey, but these kids I just want to, I just want to, uh, say, um, Will, uh, Will Adams was signed by the Washington Commanders, okay, and um, the Jacksonville. Still the dumbest name. Still yeah. the dumbest name. But go ahead. And, uh, and former North Carolina Central wide receiver uh, Ryan McDaniel was signed by the Jacksonville Jaguars after a tryout also. So a few more uh, HBCU guys going to have a shot to make NFL rosters when training camp start. All right. Well, fellas, we have come to the end. Mr. Mo Carter, I, want, we, I sincerely thank you for coming on. Um, make sure y'all go follow him on Twitter. Check out his handle. Yeah, he he does post a lot of, of of good information, uh especially if you well, those of us in Alabama, we get to see a lot of behind the scenes stuff with you know with the the videos and stuff. Um, but is there anything that you you know in closing that you want to present? You know, anything you want to catch you live at nine and. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first and foremost, I just want to say I appreciate you guys bringing me on with the HBCU Hour. It's been great. It's always fun talking and talking sports and talking about um, HBCUs, two things I'm definitely passionate about. Got to throw family in there as well. I'm definitely mm-hmm. passionate about that, whether it's, you know, my wife and little, little Mo, MC3. You know, you, you can go ahead and, you know, follow me on Twitter and see see pictures of him as well. You know, I say in about, let's see, we're in 2022. So I say maybe class of 2037, we might be preparing for, you know, okay. for the possibility of him having like a bunch of HBCU hats in front of him playing whatever sport he wants to yes. play. You know, it's going to be ingrained in him by that time. I like but, it. You know, 
But uh, but no, on the real, guys, I do appreciate you guys bringing me on just in general. As Ant said, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Mo Carter Fox 54. And it's also the same handle on um, on my professional Facebook page as well. And as Putin mentioned, man, I'm uh, yeah, I'm posting stuff like all the time just because, hey, you know, I love to just get the word out about stories I do, whether it's local, national or just adding some nice flavor to it as well. Guys, can you believe like two years ago we were sitting at our houses watching the last dance espn yeah, put that yeah. out today and i was like oh shoot i totally forgot it was two years ago yeah it's crazy bro exactly like before, before the last dance i was watching stuff like marble racing and stuff like that bro just to <laughs> trying to get some kind of uh competitive so, action bro. i'm still trying to find the rules of curling i, I just want to put that out there if i, if I can find <laughs> the rules of curling you i'm be unstoppable I will come with a with a curling highlight for y'all. I promise. Let me find the rules first, and we good. Bro, bro, Please man, look, 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 as soon bro, as you're doing, you can work in your craft. Send it over to me, and hey, then we might be able to do a story. Hey, bro, bro, game on deck, huh? Listen, <laughs> listen. I, I, y'all, while y'all playing, I, I literally got you know. So I was cleaning, and I had one of them long sticks. I was cleaning the shower one day, and I was in there. <laughs> you got an element, <laughs> like, like what? So you saying we need to start a curling team like Cool Runners? Hey, we we yeah. feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. It's curling time. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. You better trademark it real, real quick. <laughs> but again, thank you again, Mo, for coming on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we expected to have a special episode air for you on Sunday. Um, scheduling conflict so that's not gonna happen and we will see y'all again a sunday from a sunday we'll let y'all know we'll let y'all know but we ain't gonna be going too far but not again too. thank thank y'all for joining y'all have a good night yeah. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube